1: How you doing? I'm fantastic.
0: Super excited about our guest today. The one, the only Gavin Chops. Gavin is a very old friend of mine. We actually went to college together at Fordham University. At the time, I was throwing parties, uh, kind of first venture into nightlife for myself, kind of brokering deals with different nightclubs in the city. Really got my foot in the door when it came to kind of negotiating terms with different venues, booking DJs. Gavin used to DJ at our parties. Right. Uh, Gavin and I are in the same entrepreneurship program and have always stayed in touch and have always really had a lot of belief as far as what he's been up to. And I think that the progress he's been able to make has been amazing. Uh, recently, he became, about a year ago, he got asked to become the the drummer for Chelsea Cutler. Chelsea Cutler is a signed, I guess, quote-unquote pop artist, if you will, signed by Republic. Uh, and we talk up. about what pop means in we'll the, the podcast, too. talk about what pop too. means, but not only is he like touring, getting to play at, at Lollapalooza, at at Red Rocks, I mean his his dreams of being this kind of rock star drummer are are really coming through, but it's fascinating to get his perspective because not only is he a very healthy person and talks about staying healthy on the road, but he's also an entrepreneur outside of his artistry he is a He's a partner in a management company called Baronal. They manage a couple of artists, including this one artist, Hazy Eyes. Which, funny enough, we're recording this podcast out of the Bands in Town studio. Bands in Town has a program called The Big Break, where they essentially see artists that are really popping off on the Bands in Town platform and put them on in different showcases, give them free advertising in the platform, uh, help drive publicity around these Big Break acts. And Hazy Eyes, one of the artists Gavin manages, was selected for this Big Break program. So I think what I really enjoyed in this episode was Gavin talking about the importance of stage energy, how to really have an incredible live performance, how to stay healthy, active on the road. Uh, We dive a lot into the importance of a a manager and what to look for in a manager, both as an artist when trying to find a manager and then also just as aspiring managers, how to really identify what are the most valuable components of what it means to be a manager today. So really enjoyed all that. Was there anything that stood out to you, Jordan?
1: Well, I always like it when people can can talk about different areas of the music industry or can talk about different experiences they've had in different verticals, because I think it sheds light on multiple things um, that may be applicable and relevant to our listeners. So I know when I started in the music industry, the first question I got when I applied for an internship was, so did you make the decision yet? We all knew what that was. It was, are you going to work in the music industry as a businessman or are you going to be a musician? And of course, at that point, I was applying for an internship. So I said I wanted to be a music businessman. Um, Gavin has figured out how to do both. So he, he even says, without giving up too much of the podcast, he's looking for management. And he is a manager himself. Yeah. So going through that and going through his story, I think we really get an opportunity to talk to someone who actually, was actually given that decision, the decision, and they chose both. So mm-hmm. I think that'll be super insightful for our listeners. I know it was insightful for me and especially my 19 year old self who was given that decision of whether they needed to be, you know, I used to be a hip hop artist whether they want to be a hip hop artist or a pop musician or music businessman. So that's my favorite part about this episode. For sure. And if you guys don't
0: already, we constantly t- cut up a tons of our favorite gems from each of the different episodes and roll them out on Instagram at Podcast. So check us out there. But without any further ado, super excited to have Gavin on the show. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Gavin, what's up, man? Welcome on the show. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great. My whole life has led to this moment and I'm grateful to be here. So there it is. Sick, sick.
0: <laughs> yeah, Glad my, to have you. My friend posted an Instagram story the other day where it was like, it was just a picture of his shoes, but he's like... If you really think about it, everything in your life up until now has led you to looking at this Instagram story. <laughs>
2: it's, it's weird.
0: It's, yeah. it's very true. <laughs> I was, guess, shout I out guess. Elliot, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, past podcast guest. Cool, man. Well, I think Gavin, it's amazing having you on the show, man. I, I think I've known you longer than anybody in my, in the kind of sphere of this music business podcast. I know we went to school together at Fordham, mm-hmm. used to DJ parties, um, some of our parties. Yep. Uh, so to, it's, it's all coming full circle, bro.
2: I know. It's crazy. It's yeah. crazy how we keep bumping into each other like yeah, this. Yeah, I know. It's
0: beautiful, man. <laughs> and in all the right places, too. Um, so I think it's been really cool to see your progression with your career. Um, definitely going to unpack a lot of the different parts of it. But for mm-hmm. starters, I mean, like, just talk about what's happened the past week or two. I know you're just kind of jet-setting all the, all the time these days.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, a balance between being an artist... Being a touring drummer and also running my own management company, um, so I'm always on the Wait, move. Wait, so you,
1: so you're also an artist in addition to being a touring drummer?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's that's. I mean, I've I've always been I've always been an artist. Like that's right. that's where oh, I started. Okay. At. I was Like at, from a kid, like I've always wanted to make music. And most recently, me and the keyboardist from uh, playing with Chelsea Cutler started our own side project. Nice. That we're working on demos right now. It's going to be called uh, Obvious Yellow. Um, that's that's the name. <laughs> that's pretty tight. So been spending like a lot of time like in like we both have like home studios. So right now like spending trying to figure out how to put some time into like making music now.
1: Dope, dope. Yeah,
2: it's been cool. So my life has been just a lot of moving parts and figuring out how to put all the moving parts together. Um, because I'm I'm constantly traveling on tour with Chelsea Cutler. I'm constantly working with my seven artists on my roster at Baron Owl, which is my management company, and also, you know, throwing events, you know. Mm. That's something I do on the side of everything. So, just figuring out how to balance time. That's that's pretty much how my my weeks go. What yeah.
1: do those events look like?
2: It really depends. I've been throwing a lot of things on my own roof. I can fit like 600 people up there. So, we just had like a really crazy party a couple weeks ago. <laughs> But we're taking a break in August because our I was telling Sam, our bathroom just got like destroyed. And oh, so,
1: damn. How many people were at that party? Like
2: 600 people. Oh, there were literally <laughs> 600 yeah. people. Yeah. Damn. Literally, literally yeah. 600 people. Yeah. <laughs> On my roof. Yeah. And so like there was a line for like the bathroom, like it was a club, but it was in my apartment. Oh, God. It was. Oh was, was god! Uh, <laughs> yeah. It, it was like that. Yeah. It, it was like that. It was a crazy time. Yeah. It's amazing, man. Gonna
0: dive into a lot of different things, but for starters, I think uh, just knowing you, I, I recall there was just this massive turning point in your career when you got uh, when you ended up making the transition into becoming Chelsea's drummer. So I'd love, I mean, that story to me is uh, just a, the perfect story of uh, luck being when hard work meets opportunity and all the totally. way. so. If you could just kind of share and walk us through that story and, and what happened and how you became Chelsea Cutler's uh, drummer, that'd be amazing.
2: I'd love to. I've been a drummer since uh, I broke my arm when I was a kid and I played piano and I, I went to my piano lesson and I couldn't play piano because my fingers wouldn't move and my teacher put a drumstick in my cast and I sat on the drums for the first time and my whole life pretty much changed since then. Um, Damn,
1: yo, that sounds like the beginning of a Netflix movie. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, I just never, I never went back to piano. They thought I was broken. <laughs>
1: this was just the
2: beginning. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, it was a great lesson in like finding the positives in like a negative situation. You know, that was, the that's first, funny, that was like my first moment. Like, I that. actually
1: played soccer for a while and I got a concussion in the ninth grade and they were like, you got to quit soccer. And that's when I found music.
2: Yeah.
1: So, so when people get injured, like, yeah. yo, what, what can you do? music i guess there's
2: a, there's a lesson in everything yeah yeah that's and, great and uh so started started there played drums in a lot of bands growing up always a very passionate part of my life um in college i kind of stopped for a while because i couldn't i didn't have a drum set and so i started djing but then started playing with bands after college just for fun uh, playing like heavy metal bands really which is Really funny. Well, that That'll playing. teach
1: you how to play drums. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
2: got some funny videos from from those days, but really good times. And but I w- I've been working in like on and off in like the corporate world of music, always, always in music. Right. Um, and before I started playing with Chelsea, I was working for a distribution company called Fuga. They're based out of Amp- Amsterdam. Really awesome company, like pretty much a dream job. Did you ever live there? Did you live
1: there when you worked for them?
2: No, I was I was based in the New York office here. Oh, okay. But um I never went to visit while I was working there, but I saw them when, when I went to visit when I was on tour. Oh, okay. in Amsterdam. Love so, Amsterdam. Yeah, it's a beautiful city. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> back in October. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'll man. be there. I'll be there for uh for Halloween. Oh shit. I don't know if they do Halloween, but I guess you'll find out. Yeah. But um Pretty much, I was working there. It was the it was the dream job for what I wanted to do. I was pitching records to like Spotify and Apple, um, but there was still always like something off inside of me. You know, like I I knew it wasn't what I was supposed to be doing. I knew I wanted to drum. It was it's it's my biggest passion in life. It's my dream. But I thought I thought it was too late. I thought I missed that boat. And so I I, I wouldn't say I was settling because I was also
1: how old were you at the time?
2: Um, this was last year. It's been just a little bit over a year since I started oh, wow. doing this. So every, this is like my new beginning. I feel right. like I was like born again into right. this, uh, this life and I'm very grateful. But um, yeah, she, my, so my business partner at Baron Owl, the management company I was also running at the same time, was interning at uh, Visionary Music Group. And shout out to episode one Harrison (laughs) (laughs) Remler. And uh, they were looking for a sub drummer for Chelsea's for a couple like small festival shows because uh, her other drummer had to go play with a different band. And so I filled in, I took vacation days from work and went on like my first like tour. And if that was it, if that was like it and I never played again, like I would have been still so thankful to be like playing shows of that caliber even though they were still really small but then they hit me up again to sub another week like a month later and uh I opened up for like Halsey which was like super cool playing for like 3000 people damn um and this and, is the second major yeah.
1: opportunity you've gotten you playing Se- yeah, you second, opening for Halsey yeah. wow opening
2: for Halsey with with Chelsea and like I went I, I kept, went back to work and I was like I, I don't know if I could how long I could be here like
0: yeah, yo this shit sucks bro uh, I
2: seen the
1: light yeah, <laughs> yeah. now, now having, like,
2: uh, having that that first that first you ever see
1: Halsey she hot as fuck bro I'm out here bro
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I I can't be in this office bro I opened up for a bad bitch last weekend
2: yeah. I, I, I literally felt like a like a dog dog in a cage you know work being at, at the office cuz I just wanted I wanted that freedom that I had uh, playing drums that feeling that nothing really else gives me that I get behind my drum set, and uh, so what happened was a uh, pretty much two days before Chelsea was leaving for her first sold out first sold out tour like every single day it was sold out. I got a call. I'm literally I'm taking a piss in my office, and Theo calls me and he's like he's like dude. Do you have a second? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I'm in the bathroom right now. I'm taking a piss. What's up? He's like, all right, I'm, I'm looping in uh, Lawrence, who's one of her managers. And I was like, oh, Why shit. Why are you
0: taking a piss? Well, I was taking
2: a piss. In, in the bathroom, about to leave. Can, can, from you, work. can you
0: wait 30 seconds? No, I can't wait, bro. Right now. No.
2: And uh, he hops on the phone. He's like, we're having a little bit of an issue. Chelsea's current drummer can't come on tour anymore. And you're the only other person who like knows the drums. Like, Can you, can you come on tour? And I literally, I was like, can you guys give me an hour to think about this? Like, I'm, I'm in my office right now. Uh, I need to, like, so think you this lied. through. No, I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> I'm taking a piss. I got
2: yeah. it. Give me an hour. Yeah, I flushed. <laughs> and and uh, so I called everyone who was, like, close to me um, for advice. And, and all my best friends were like, this is what you've always wanted in life. Like, go for it. And the only people that were like, don't do it was my lawyer and my mom, who I love so much, and she's looking out for the best best of me. And uh, but like you know, my my gut was telling me to do it, and I kind of sat in the fetal position in my bed for like an hour, just like thinking it over. And uh, I made that leap of faith, and I got committed, and I went to the practice the next day and left for tour pretty much the day after that and I've just never looked back since.
0: That's amazing. So literally you had to, you quit your job on like
2: one day notice. I quit my job with one day notice, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I called my boss and I told her, I was like I I like practiced this phone call like so many times because I've never been more nervous and I told her I was like I got an opportunity that I can't refuse. I'm so sorry. I like I'm so appreciative of this opportunity to work with you guys and it's not because I don't like working with you guys but this is my dream and I have to I have to do this. Or well, when else. you when you
1: put it like that, yeah, like she's an saying, asshole. Right? Yeah, 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 she's an asshole. She's like, nah, bro, what yeah. you yeah. doing? Yeah. This is my dream. This is yeah. my purpose. Uh, yeah. Well, you still got to come at work yeah. tomorrow at 9 a.m. Yeah. She knows what that sounds like. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah. it was um, definitely the cra- the, one of the craziest days of my life.
1: There's a couple lessons there that I want to go over. One is that mm-hmm. you had a job. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of musicians that, they do it full time, which isn't bad, but they have no source of income outside of doing it full time, and they don't. I mean, and they don't have a source of income from the music. So you you waited until you had an opportunity to really replace your job in a significant way. So I think that's I think that's cool.
2: I mean, kind of like I was only working there for six months. Before that, I was like, I was a bike messenger. I worked in a restaurant, like maybe a block away from Still, here. Still, All jobs. Yeah, I guess, you know I I mean? guess you're right. All jobs. Yeah. So
1: we've all had, I was, I worked in IT at a, at a library mm-hmm. for a little bit. You know what I mean? I worked on the Baltimore water taxi and heat for 10 hours a day. Like I still had jobs to, to coincide with what I wanted to do. So that's how you got to do it, man. Yeah. That's dope.
0: So, I mean, now that, uh, so what's it been, it's been about a year like touring with Chelsea. I mean, obviously not touring year round, but like there's been a lot of tours, a lot of show dates, a lot of cities, countries.
2: Yeah. I've been to, I've been to Europe um I've done two full tours now and uh a full like festival season playing pretty much every festival and every venue I've I've ever I've ever dreamed of.
1: Damn, yeah, that's amazing, sure. man. Yeah. That's amazing. And
0: definitely excited to dive into some of the other ventures uh outside of just working with Chelsea, but to kind of go deeper there. I mean, what's I mean, when it comes to the dream that you had as a child, playing mm-hmm. with the with the cast, with the broken arms. <laughs> what um I mean what's it like like it, does it literally feel like you're living a dream at times
2: um it's really uh filled my heart with like so much love because it's like I, I as a kid like i really wanted to be a rock star like that was that was my dream like i i went to sleepaway camp and i played in bands there and played for like the camp and played for my school like i've always wanted to be like a, like a rock star and like that's where i feel the most fulfilled and I can really express myself to the fullest extent, and now doing it for real and doing it like as a professional, there's no better feeling. There's there's really nothing else that that feels that way, and I and I think it comes across in the in the way I play too. I I play with like my full my full body. I play with every single part mm-hmm. of me. I give my hundred, and I'll either like I was telling you before, I'll either break the kit or break myself like doing it. Like I've. I've bled so many times on the drum set. I've mm. cymbals flying everywhere, like <laughs> drums flying everywhere, like the text trying to fix my drum while I'm like playing. Like
1: it's, <laughs> that's happened that's happened you know, mid-song before. Yeah.
2: Like literally I have to I have to put on my drum rider, like please put a cinder block in front of my kick pedal because I will literally kick the drum off of the stage. Wow. And uh that's how I want to live my life, you know? Yeah. Just hard fuck. Kick the yeah. drum off the stage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. That's awesome, bro. Mm-hmm. No, and I think, uh, I mean, it's just such a testament, to, And I mean, you see it firsthand, I see it on the other side of the stage, or sometimes, if unfortunate, from the back of the stage. But, like, <laughs> The energy you give as an artist is the, the energy that you get back from the crowd. Like I, I think back to the shows when I've been to like see a Travis Scott performance or even Ray Sremmer. These are two hip-hop artists that I feel like are some of the most energetic on stage performers. And literally, because they're just going so hard on stage, like the crowd reciprocates. It comes right back. I mean, you felt yeah. that in your oh, experience? Yeah. It's
2: it's a it's a full circle. You know, their their energy that they give me, like pumps me up. Like I literally feel like my heart is going to like explode and like my, I feel just expanding in like all directions and <laughs> like, I want to give that right back to them. And like, right. it's just a, it's a feedback loop. It's, it's constant. And I I get so amped up. Like I literally feel like, like an animal. Adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. yeah Animal yeah. instinct. Huh? Yeah.
0: yeah. I want to dive deeper into this too. Cause I know obviously there's, I think uh, across all genres, I mean, you have the creation and performance of the music itself, but then there's this level of like showmanship, like mm-hmm. even like a, uh, Like I know Black Coffee, a DJ that I've done a lot of work with, like he just needs to twist this knob to do this more transition. But like he's putting his whole body
1: into like twisting and people love it. I also think DJ's, um, well, other than Flume, because Flume has a I'll tell you about that Big a little bit. Set, yeah. Yeah, his his performance is like an art piece. But I yeah. think a lot of what, at least when I'm into it, it's usually facial expressions from DJs. Facial expression, body right. language. Yeah, it's exactly. just this whole
0: point of showmanship. And I think right. you were even speaking about this too, because now you're starting to like give drum lessons on the side. And yeah. you're talking about one of your the guys he saw you playing at a festival. He's a drummer himself, and you told me that like you're not even necessarily teaching him how to play the drums as much as you're helping him find his energy and and unleash that that animal spirit like on stage so can you talk about how how your showmanship has evolved and I, I think some of the lessons too that go beyond just drumming would be helpful
2: um I mean I've always I've always played this way if you look back at videos of me when I'm like 12 years old like I've always played with every fiber of my soul this is it's just like what I've always done but it still comes from a place of courage and vulnerability. It's like you're in front of all these people, and even if it's just five people mm-hmm. you're putting yourself out there like fully and expressing yourself especially if it's what you love to do it's like and like you you can't really care what people are gonna think and so whether it's weird facial expressions or you know like for me it's like I don't even know what kind of faces I'm making up there. I'm 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 totally just being present within that moment, right then and there.
1: Well, I think what's happening. I mean, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but when we talk to each other, mm-hmm. our face—we don't know what our faces look like necessarily. Yeah, you know. So it's like you're transitioning from, you know, communicating. You're just communicating in a different way. And at, mm-hmm. the, at this point, it just seems so natural to you that it's just as natural as you talking to me and Sam right now. Yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, it definitely. It definitely it feels really natural to me now. Mm-hmm. And like I literally like before I, I'm like in that mindset before I even get on the stage, you know, like my like my tour manager and uh, JT who plays keys. They now like like a, it's like they open they pretend to open up like a cage before I run on the stage <laughs> because like I'm like. I'm breathing really heavy. My eyes are like focused. Like I'm about to like a, like attack like a like my prey, you know? And like I run out there and I feel more like myself than anywhere else in, in the whole entire world. Like, no, I feel it's ineffable how, how I feel. I can't really explain it, but I just feel like I'm going to explode out of like every single like part of my body and trying to teach that to people, like trying to teach how to have that kind of energy is, is really, it's a, it's a really personal thing, right? Because a lot of people are afraid to express themselves in that kind of a way. So it's like when, like when I first started teaching this, I have this new student who, who wants to learn how to have that kind of energy, like on stage. And I have to, it's more of like we're a conversation. It's like, he's coming talk to me. It's like, I'm, I'm like a therapist almost (laughs) trying to trying to open him up. You know, it's about opening up. It's about showing who you really are. And that energy might not look like me on stage. You know, it might, it might look different because he's not me, Right. but it's about trying to help him open up and, and express himself and have the courage to to do so no matter what, what anyone thinks.
0: Mm-hmm. There's actually this book, uh, I believe it's called relentless. I can't remember the name of the author, but he was essentially Michael Jordan's trainer, the trainer of all these like elite athletes. And one of the biggest things was being able to like unleash this like animal spirit, competitive energy. And I mean, whether or not it's like competitive in this landscape, it's really just getting in touch with this just super raw energy that lives within all of us. And I think right. even when you're just in uh even in the business side of music, going into a big meeting, a big presentation, it's just like you're hyping yourself up, you're yeah. getting ready, you're feeling like amped and, and that's when you're going to deliver and that's when you're going to really kind of transcend
1: like what the ordinary is, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that has transcended
2: to your career as an artist manager? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I mean, that's why I like my, my hat says like be here now. Like I'm constantly writing be here now. I think it, a lot of it has to do with presence you know wanting right. to be like fully in that moment fully engaged in in here and now and i uh, I think that when I'm on my drum set that's all I'm thinking about you know um I read this this really great quote like recently that is like when you're with another being's mind you become that being's mind when you're doing a task you become that task and when i'm when I'm playing my drums I become my drums you know so it's like Giving that, giving your hundred percent like everything you have to whatever you're doing. And that's where the energy comes from for me.
0: Mm-hmm. tight. Two last questions before we kind of move on from the Chelsea mm-hmm. Cutler and you drumming with her and and that band. But, like, can you talk about the dynamic that you have with Chelsea and how important and valuable that's been to not only the your guy's performance, but just um, yeah, I mean, how I think, there's obviously oftentimes a lot of different band politics, but how has your relationship with Chelsea grown, and how do you feel like that actually lends itself to just creating amazing experiences both for you and fans?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we're like a, we're like a family now, me, Chelsea, and JT, and even like the whole team that's not on stage. Like every single person who is a, is a part of what we're doing is a hundred percent in it, is willing to sacrifice anything for it, and it really it really shows in in the performance because even. Even uh, like like our our tour manager Manny and Dylan, who helps with all the tech side of everything. Without them, like the show, the show is nothing. And that the bond that we all share together playing this show, like I think that's what the fans like. They come and they resonate. They resonate with that. They feel like how close we are all together, Mm -hmm. and like they reciprocate that and like. They, I think that's why me and JT have been getting a lot of following from playing with, with Chelsea, and like, is because of the chemistry that we have on stage. Mm -hmm. Um, It
1: doesn't seem like you're just a hired mm -hmm. member. It's like you're a part of the story on stage.
2: Yeah, we're we're like a full band. You know, right? We've we've been there for each other in in so many different ways, and we've we hang out like outside of uh, the shows. It's not just, it's not it's not an act you know like everything we do is is very real the way we um interact with each other is is very real and we're we're all like 100% there for each other it's become we're like we're like a real it's like a real family you know right. i really feel connected to these people
0: totally that's awesome and then um i think what has been one of your like favorite shows i mean you had to um, pick a highlight
2: i'll I'll pick two because I mean, this summer was a summer of my. highlights. Um, well, I played Red Rocks. Oh, um, I just came back from Red Rocks last <laughs> week. Amazing! It's it was it's been a dream of mine since I knew what Red Rocks was. It
1: should be everybody's dream, honestly. Yeah. Like yeah. it's such an amazing venue.
2: I like, agree. If you're a musician, that's so awesome. Congratulations, congratulations man! That's you. great. Thank that's you so, so much. Great. Yeah, it's um, it still feels surreal. You know, um, that was definitely one of my big highlights and I have like a photo that I'll look back at the rest of my life of me just like totally like jump, jumping over my drum set with like the background of, of Red Rock, <laughs> like right there. and Frame that. Show I call that. out a yeah. note on that
0: too. Cause I know obviously it's uh it's really easy to get overshadowed as a backline member of a, mm-hmm. of a band and a performer. Um, and it's at the end of the day too I mean it is like You are Chelsea Cutler's drummer So you're not yep. trying to steal the show But no way. the fact that you're constant That you kind of created this moment That's consistent across all shows right? at the end or Is it at the end? Yeah it's at right at the, the end, end At the end of all performances You'll jump over your jump set Yeah. And I think the fans at this point too Like the diehard Chelsea fans Are becoming like diehard Gavin Chops fans <laughs> And looking forward to that in their shows And I think it's a great way Because I think it's uh, Obviously you're Helping Chelsea with her performance, but you're able to bring more energy to the table, so everybody has a better experience while also being able to kind of create a moment that does give yourself a little bit of shine. Hundred yeah. percent. You also I mean,
1: get two different experiences when, when you listen to the song and when you're on tour. When, like, if you're an, if you're a consumer that goes to a show, you mm-hmm. know, when you do that, people know that they're going to get a, a, a hyped up experience of what they've heard on the record. Yeah. So the,
2: the record is very different than the live show. Right. The live show is very hype and. Like everything everything I do on stage is to support Chelsea and to make her show the the best show there is on the market, you know right. like, and it's like i yeah, I do it for the people watching, but I really do everything I do for her, like I care about her so much, and I care about her show so much, and I want to be the show that she wants it to be, so mm-hmm. I give my my everything to it being an energy source, not for just the crowd but like when. Say if she's maybe she gets out of the moment a little bit. I want her to be able to look behind her and see me like rocking out to like my my fullest capacity, so she can get like motivated or whatever it is. You know, I'm right. I'm, I'm giving my everything for her for the crowd. And by jumping over the over the kid, it just creates like this 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 moment of excitement, you know, for for everyone and even for me. Like I I love jumping over. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> you know, gotta be lit. As fuck so fun. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, so last question regarding Chelsea, but like being on the inside, what do you think has been some of the the keys to her ascent? I mean, she's selling out big rooms all over the world at this stage. I mean, I think um, I mean, didn't join at the very get go, but she was mm-hmm. still like wh- when you join versus where she's at now. And I mean, even from a streaming perspective, yeah. she got a record deal. Like, what do you feel like are some of these keys that have really enabled this rise?
2: Um, I think what we've talked about before already is, is vulnerability um, She's very vulnerable, like, publicly. She talks about everything that she's going through. Like, she her depression, her anxiety. She's very candid about how she's feeling all the time. And her music also is an expression of that. They're about real moments in her own life. And, like, she's not, like, every bit of it is is true. It's true to who she is. And that's, like, when I first started playing with her, like, I've never seen what a real, like, fan is. And playing those shows with her where everyone, everybody knows the words. Every single person in that room knows the words of the song. Everybody I talk to, everyone that messages me is like, please tell Chelsea that she changed my life. Like she mm-hmm. is the reason why I am who I am today. Her music is is like my, my Bible, you know? Mm-hmm. Like people live by by her music and what she stands for. And I think her authenticity with her fans is like... The, the number one. I think that's that's the sauce. That's the, the know, sauce. That's the real yeah. sauce. She doesn't get lost no, in it. She yeah, doesn't get lost yeah. in the sauce. And like the, <laughs> the first show I, I ever played with her, I'll, I'll never forget. We were at some like small festival in Michigan and she was on her social media and saw that someone was getting um, like the rose that's on her album cover, like tattooed on them at in the festival. And she was like, we need to find this girl right now. We need to go like, <laughs> and we like- stood next to her while she got the tattoo and the, was this fan was crying. I'm surprised and, she
1: could even stay still <laughs> enough to get the tattoo. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like,
2: it was, damn. it was, it was a really beautiful moment. And then Chelsea, like, like, I don't know if she wants me to like say this, but she, she ended up like paying for like the tattoo, like without the girl knowing. And it was like this really beautiful moment and re- made me really appreciate Chelsea because I don't even think, she realized how generous of, of a thing she was doing. She yeah. just really cares about her fans, you know, and she really cares about like her music and it's been really awesome to be a part of. And I think that's the one reason why like I, I love what I'm doing so much is because it feels it feels so real. I'm not playing for a pop star that's like created by the industry. right? Like, like Chelsea is real, like 100% like down to her core.
0: Mm-hmm. And even, I mean, that's amazing. And I think vulnerability is funny because obviously it's been critical per your point to the kind of her rise as an artist. But I think even not to get too off topic, but just when it comes to human connection in general, like to the extent that you can be vulnerable with the people around you, mm-hmm. um, it's huge in developing relationships. And then bringing it back to music. I mean, as somebody that like runs a social media marketing agency for musicians, like We're constantly pushing artists to just be vulnerable and really Mm -hmm. open up. If they're releasing a song, it's not just like, new song out now, but like, why did you write these lyrics? What was near and dear to your heart? Or even outside of like promoting music, like, what are some of the most challenging aspects in your life? Oftentimes, like, those are the pieces of content that people resonate the most with. And then, I mean... Like, that that just leads to strong performance online and, and good community engagement. But I, I think it really just comes down to this, like, innately human thing that underpins creating a connection, which is vulnerability. So
1: I think it, it would help the artist, too. Even if it's not necessarily specifically sharing it on social media, but sharing it in general just bringing the light how they feel. Whether it's yeah. in front of their family or in front of their social media followers and their family yeah. or… Whether it comes out through song, just, just putting those emotions, those raw emotions out on the table, I think, yeah. make it easier for the artists to look at and observe themselves, too. For sure. So, 100%. Cool. All right.
0: Well, let's shift gears over to, to Baron L. I I know um, you're definitely on the road a lot touring with Chelsea, but you're also working a lot while on the road touring <laughs> with Chelsea, working on Baron Al. So, for starters, could you just give us a little bit of context to the, the listeners about what is Baron Al, kind of uh,
2: who's on your roster? Totally. So right there. And your partner. Yeah, my partner, Theo. Um, so Bear, Bear and Owl, um, we started about three years ago. And it started with me going to Philadelphia to DJ a party. And there was an act that I was opening for. Um, they were called Royalty. They were like some future-based duo. And Theo, my, my partner at Baron and Owl, um, was managing them at the time. And I met him there, and I also met one of the guys in royalty who his name was Tom, and started talking with Tom online. He sent me a side project called Hazy Eyes, which I fell in love with. and I was like, I want to work on this project. like this is super cool." And he was like, "I'm down, but my my manager Theo is also working on it. I would love for you guys like to meet. And so Theo came into the city like a couple of times. He was, he was 18 when I met him.
1: So you reached out to just rewind a little bit. You reached yeah. out to the artist and was like, um, bro, yeah, this is dope. I mm-hmm. want to work with you. Oh, yeah. shit's hot.
2: Yeah. 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 I reached out to him. I, well, he, we started talking just about music in general. And he sent me a side project saying like, I haven't really showed this to anybody. Um, this is something I'm working on. I don't really know what I think about it. And he trusted my opinion at the time because I was working as an A&R at uh, Beatport. That was like mm. my first job out of college. And so he trusted my, my ear and what, what I thought about it. And it was like very unique. Um, it was like a softer side of electronic music, which at the time, a couple of years ago, wasn't really like a thing yet. It was more about like, you know, big room, festival, electronic music. And he was bringing more of like an, like an art form, more emotion. More like a, a feel to it, rather than just like we listen to this music to party.
1: Do you think that um, just because I know people that listen, just really want to get inside the heads of ANRs, mm-hmm. that's like a big thing? Um, do you think that you tend to slide towards a certain genre or type of music, or is it sort of like you know how it just affects you as a person? Like, what are is it a feeling? Like what what caused you to reach out to it was it's one person or two people?
2: Um, it, it was, it's one person, but he was in a group at the time of two people that okay. he's no longer a part of because we made him focus on right. the solo project.
1: So how do you know, like, I got to reach out as opposed to just like, hey,
2: this song is pretty cool. Um, it's definitely a feeling. I mm-hmm. don't lean towards any genre. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely like, I grew up listening to rock and roll and I love rock music. Like That's always part of my life, but I listen to everything and I always have. I think if you want to know what's coming next and where influences are coming from, you have to know, you have to know all kinds of music, you got to listen to everything. You got to keep your ear on the ground cuz that's how you know what is going to what's going to be hot next. For example, like even when I was a kid and when iTunes like first came out, it was organized by genre. You click on the genre and you it would show you every single artist like in in a list and I would go through every single artist in every single genre and just like listen to to what I liked and like that was like my first like experience as like an a and I guess
1: <laughs> yeah I mean I had that was me with LimeWire yeah as soon as I heard of an artist it was like oh I gotta which is horrible but I gotta steal their music <laughs> I you know I eventually started paying for it but uh yeah so I think I think a lot of us have that in us to su- yeah. somewhat, you know, I just think that's such a hard skill to have. And you got hired for it. And there's so many people that like really want to be an A&R. Yeah. You know?
2: I feel like, I mean, I feel like every single manager is, is an A&R, you know? Yeah. Like I would have, I would have loved to work at like a label as an A&R. Maybe one day I will work at a label as an A&R, but those jobs are like very few and far between. And so I was like, all right, screw it. I'm just going to do it on my own. Like if no one wants to hire me, like I'm going to show everyone that I have the ear that I can find artists and from ground zero and take them to a place that is noticed by people around the world.
1: Do you think that performing with Chelsea Cutler has changed your ear for AR?
2: No, but it's definitely brought me closer to like the pop side of music, which right. I've always been kind of left of center when it comes to music, but now I'm finding like like a lot of like beauty in in pop music as well. Right. Um I think there's a lot of amazing pop artists out there. I was just always had the thought that they were like created by the labels, but now I'm finding that that's, that's not true at all. And there's a lot of really talented artists in like the pop world.
0: Yeah. So we have like a segment on our show called hot takes and remember hot takes is pretty relevant to the conversation right now. And the hot takes mm-hmm. aren't necessarily things that we believe personally, but are just, just want things to get a reaction. Cool. The hot take here is that everything is pop or has the potential to become pop. Mm-hmm. Do you believe that?
2: I think so. I mean, pop is dependent on what the culture is right now. I think pop is always changing. You know, I think it changes depending on like what influences are really hot right now. You know, like I think like Latin music is playing a mm-hmm. huge role in pop right now. I think hip hop music is now is, is pop music. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of hip hop influence in other forms of pop music as well, um, and obviously like electronic music is now like is huge in pop i really think it depends on like what what's happening in, in musical culture
0: mm-hmm. yeah from my perspective and i'm curious to hear, too jordan and totally that's all super valid points i think thematically you'll see certain genres evolve so that the pop culture is more receptive to them i think you've definitely seen that with hip-hop i mean over the past like 15 to 20 years it's been mm-hmm. a long thing but now pop like hip-hop is like a dominant pop genre i think even when we spoke about i think we might have spoken about this with brian johnston but it's like back in the mixtape days it's like hip-hop was still running the game it's just now people can actually see the data you know? yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 but at the same time too i think there's certain music that just given the current popular music landscape like hardcore heavy metal will probably not hit the like the pop chart or or become like massively pop music and the same we'd go for like deep underground house but derivatives derivatives no, that's what i'm gonna go
1: good. to yeah
0: you gotta let me speak right there
2: great minds man great minds um
0: he's like so what, what i was gonna say, shut say shut is it. that derivatives I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no no i was gonna say but then it's like even in the like, hardcore underground house won't, but then there's, like, house artists like Fishers. Like, Fisher's got the, the song Losing It, which has become yeah. one of the biggest, I guess, like, house records, if you will. But even then, to some extent, like, the true househeads, and I feel like any, like, relatively, like, fringe or underground genre will always have some level of, like, oh, that ain't house music, that's pop, he's a sellout, blah, blah, blah. But I think <laughs> he took elements of house derivative sounds and use that and kind of mixed it with a more broadly applicable sound. And then it really did break through. And now what I see is that I see Fisher at the forefront of bringing this like underground world of house to a much more popular demographic. Um, So I think it's interesting. What do you think? Everything is pop or no?
1: I think everything has the potential to be pop. But what I've seen recently is people put pop in front of genres. Mm -hmm. So like pop rap or like pop R&B and Honestly don't know what to think about that cuz at that point it's like pop is just popular music I guess. Yeah. Um there is a genre of pop that I don't I'm beginning to not know how to categorize. So like Carly Rae Jepsen for example, if she wasn't popular, would it still be pop music? You know what I mean? Like what what would that genre be? So it's like both. Everything has the potential to be pop, but I do think there is a a traditional pop genre, you know, like mm-hmm. Ariana Grande, love Ariana Grande. Like, I think she's super talented. But if she wasn't popular, I would still say she made pop music. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I
2: definitely agree with you on that.
1: So when you were saying that now that you're having
0: worked with Chelsea, you feel like you've gotten a lot more exposure to pop. I mean, you said you were left the center and you still have a unique taste and perspective as always. But, I mean... What do you think, like, where do you draw the lines when it comes to like pop? And I I mean, I draw the lines too. I think genre lines are like imploding, but just generally speaking, like how how would you even define pop music today?
2: What really bothers me is when music becomes more of a product than actual art form. Mm -hmm. And when like working in the music industry, it's like, it's, you know, the people behind the music now, you know, the people who are working with those artists who are pushing certain things on on artists, and for me, it's it's all about authenticity. And so, if I if I feel a song just feels like the next product that's going to be on the shelf for like two months and then thrown out, that's like that's what like cuts it for me for pop music. Um, when there's an artist like Chelsea Cutler or like like Jeremy Zucker who are both like mm-hmm. in a in a pop lane, but they're both like they're they're real artists. You know, they're real artists. That that are making music in in the pop lane, like that's that's cool for me. But I'm trying to, I don't want to like, I really don't want to like call out any any artists that I think are like uh, product right. Yeah, that pro, uh, more of like a product. But I think Gavin's holding back shots right now. For the record, yeah, It's I, media trains, professional right here. <laughs> hey man, we're managing Yeah, you know you're you gonna
0: too, work with. we try, trying to get the downloads up on this episode, or what, Gavin? Spit it out, bro. Yeah. <laughs>
2: No, my mom always said, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it. There so. we go.
1: Okay. Okay. For pop music that I just think is a product, I can't even really name it because I just don't listen to it. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't know. I can't name somebody right now because I just don't listen to that music, you know? Yeah, yeah. For that sure. That being said, like, I ain't going to lie. I've been at some bar and by mitzvahs where they just play straight up product pop music and I, you know, I turn up, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 So that sort of has a place somewhat too. I agree. I, You know, I understand if you don't like listening to it, but- um, what I definitely hate
0: those. I hate hearing the stories of when uh, artists get signed and lose their artistic integrity. And I do know some acts. Yeah, and we'll name names, but where they sign record deals and they now all of a sudden lose creative control of their own art. Do you, that, do
1: you think it's them losing creative control or do you think it's them saying yes to too many things? No, I've,
0: I mean, at least I had a recent conversation with an artist whose name I won't mention notable artists, solid record deal. He got out of a past record deal into this new one and he said when he was in this past record deal, they literally were like, You sit here, this guy's writing your song, this is doing the production arrangement. Damn, I didn't even know they had deals
1: like that anymore.
2: Sheesh. Yeah. I don't know. I just think like if if I if I know that the art is coming from the right right place, then it can be as as pop as you want it to be. If if that's if that's how they're expressing themselves, like that's totally cool with me. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah.
0: So diving into Baron Al, obviously, you guys have a solid management roster. Um, can you talk about your approach to developing acts? Obviously, you're working with some earlier mm-hmm. stage artists. I know like Hazy Eyes. I mean, it's cool. We're here live in the Bands in Town studio in New York City. Hazy Eyes was is part of the Bands in Town Big Break, Big Break program, which is a program where they'll mm-hmm. essentially spotlight and promote and highlight um, notable artists that they see trending on their platform, and then give them a lot of like free promotional resources. He played at the South by Southwest Bands of Town event. Really cool to see him live there. He's probably one of the more mature artists on your roster, yeah.
2: Um, definitely.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, can you just speak to your perspective on and your approach to developing X mm-hmm. and, and trying to kind of help build sustainable careers?
2: Totally. Um, we've all of our artists have been from ground zero. We haven't picked up any artists that have had Steam. We the way we look at it is we're we're trying to start the car for all these artists, you know, their cars aren't driving there. It's like, we have to, we're constantly pushing for momentum to build, you know, this year for us has been about, we're calling it a year of fans is trying to build their fan bases. Cause they're like, a lot of our artists have, are doing well on streaming, but um they don't have like the, the strongest of fan bases yet. So that's what we're doing right now. But we have seven artists, um, blood cultures, which is, a band. They they are like anonymous. They have a really cool message that's about like the music and not not about them. Um They're based out of Brooklyn. We have Hazy Eyes, who is a producer. He produces pop records. He's pr- produced for Chelsea Cutler and Quinn Ninety Two with the song Flare Guns, and also does his own his own project. Then we have um OTR, who is more of a, a traditional electronic artist making really. Hit, but his music is very like nostalgic feeling. He's our first like major label artist. We haven't signed the Astral Works, which is a part of Capitol. Um, we recently signed two singers, Mike Coda and Rayami, who are our next development projects. And then we have two artists in Australia, uh, Yukio and um, uh, Will Hyde, who we're really excited about. Yukio's Electronic and then Will is more of like a, like a pop artist coming out of Australia and the four of us on on my team, we, we consider ourselves like a hive mind and we all like, we all have different specialties, but we all work together on everything across everything. So like if if an artist has a question about anything, they, one of us is going to answer all the time. So I think that's, that's definitely been one of like our things that makes us unique is our ability to like work together on everything rather than have like real specialty roles. Like when, when someone's like, what do you guys, what, what do each one of you do? It's like, it's like, we kind of just, we all, we all do everything. And then also we base. I base this, me and Theo, when we first started this company, we base it off full transparency. And I think that's one of like the biggest keys to, to our success is that if you have something to say, like, say it like don't hold it back like we don't i don't want to create any tensions i don't want to build anything up because this is art it's subjective our opinions like they matter but they don't matter because it's the audience opinions that matter so like we might as well just say however we feel about everything and like a lot of what we do is is a lot of arguing between the four of us but it always gets to a place of uh agreement you know and i think that's like one of the biggest things is no one holds anything back. Even our artists were like, don't hold anything back from us because we we're not we're gonna be completely honest with you about your music, about your career, and we want you to be honest with us. Like so it's really based on very like strong, strong honesty. but yeah, we've we've learned a lot over the past three years on on how to like take an artist from zero to at least something. I don't I don't think that we've broken artists totally yet but we've brought them to a place where they can eat. Right. You know, and I think that's really important. And we've been through like every kind of failure to, to get here. And I think one of the most important things that, that we do is help an artist create a fully cohesive project around their music. Like their music is the foundation for everything, but then bringing their music to a visual place, to uh, bringing it to a story, um, having pretty much everything laid out in their infrastructure so that no matter how you're seeing the artist, is you understand what the, what they're trying to do immediately.
0: Powerful. When it comes to your experience, Jordan, as an artist manager and being part of a very kind of progressive management company, that's really helped some serious artists build some serious traction. I mean, What resonates there? What are other things you feel like you focus on when it comes to your approach to developing acts?
1: I think transparency is a huge part of it, which you talked about Mm -hmm. most of the time. I just think being honest with your acts, because especially at the beginning, you need to build that relationship. So when things really matter and things are bigger and they're on a much grander scale, they can keep scaling their business in a way that they can confidently uh, work with you in. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So like you know, if you're not honest in the beginning and let's say they, they keep growing and they get bigger and all of a sudden you're being honest in the situation where you weren't before that that already erodes trust in the relationship. So I think I think personally that's a big part of it. Um and I I really think, at least for me, a major part of it is being able to just, you know, throw things up against the wall and see what sticks, especially in the beginning. Just being like, totally. yo, let's try it, see what happens. Let's just do it. Like fuck it. You know what I mean? And helping your artists get past that insecurity that they have that is it is valid you know what i mean like mm-hmm. getting getting them past um or getting them more comfortable with vulnerability mm-hmm. i think is a really big thing in the beginning so yeah. um with me i've had situations where we've come up with ideas before and then we didn't know how pe- we just had no idea how people were going to react and it mm-hmm. was like all right well this is you know we got to try it we just got to see and then we've seen it blast off you know and we've also seen it not work at all right. you know but all, the whole part of it is experimentation and then realizing what works and what doesn't. And just being open to either one, just right. listening to people and listening to your fans. So totally,
2: yeah, that's what, that's why I love it so much, you know, cause yeah. you, you just, you never know what's going to happen. And every day is a whole new thing. Yeah. It's so it's, it's entertaining for me really.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, I take it very seriously. Like I'm right. not trying to like, just like be like, let's just do the most crazy thing that we can possibly do. But I like taking risks. Um, you know, everyone says bigger bigger risks, bigger reward. Yeah. Um, and
1: that reward feels good yeah. when you took a big risk. <laughs> yeah. It feels good, you know. Yeah. yeah.
0: This is a question for both of you guys and we'll start with you, Gavin. But I think uh tons of managers tons of management companies um i mean obviously i mean management is a lot like dating you want to find somebody that really like fucks with you heavy has like deep belief in your ability as an artist so i think that's definitely a factor to keep in mind but both from the the artist perspective and the the management company perspective what do you think are the most the what do you think makes a management company most valuable today so whether you're trying to sign an artist, how are you pitching? Whether you're trying to get signed or work with a manager on your artistic projects. Like, what do you feel are like the most critical components to evaluate when looking for management or, or being a manager trying to sign somebody? I think there's a so lot wait. of, a lot of listeners.
1: As an artist or this is as a manager? Oh, okay. Both sides of
0: the, I mean, ideally interests are so aligned, but I'm just saying, what are some of the, the key factors uh, or kind of like impact levers that mm-hmm. a manager should be pulling in order to really help the the career thrive? Because I think there's a lot of like people question. that are listening that either want to be managers or there's emerging artists, aspiring artists that are looking for management. I'm just curious your perspective on like what actually is valuable that you should be evaluating in that landscape.
2: Um, I mean, we've already touched upon one, which is trust and transparency as I mean, I'm also like, I'm a manager, but I'm also currently looking for a manager and like Mm -hmm. interviewing different people for my own projects. So you literally
1: have both sides of the equation right now. Uh (laughs) I'm literally
2: like interviewing people like as we speak. Wow. And uh, so I know what I want as an artist. And that's so one is, is having like very honest, open communication, transparency, just like in any relationship, you know, it's like you want. You want to have that open communication. Feel comfortable having that open communication. You want someone to be fully on board. You want someone giving your like. You want your manager to be in it a hundred percent the way you are about your project. You know, mm-hmm. if they're not fully engaged, if they're not pretending like they are also the artist, right? Like, it's like why? It's like why are you here? Mm-hmm. Um, so those are two things. Also, I think connections are really important. You know, this music business is based off. It's really based off who you know. Yeah, um, it's a big who you know business. So if your management company has the connections in the right places, where I mean, it's different for every artist. So depending on the genre, depending on what your goals are, if the manager has those connections that's needed for the project to grow, um, I think that's that's really uh, an important thing to have but those those don't happen like immediately you know you need to work for those mm-hmm. like we've worked we've worked tirelessly to for the connections and the friendships that we have and mm-hmm. and also you you want to make sure that they're they're in it for the for the right reasons you know there's a lot of shadiness that happens in the music industry and it's really sad to see, like, an artist get, like, fucked over by right, by right, the management, right, right. management. So
1: Especially by management because that's supposed to be your first
2: yeah. line of defense. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's why, like, I think my position is so valuable in my company is because my artists feel safe knowing that I'm also, like, an artist as right. well. And they know that, like, I would never let anything happen to them because… Right. Because I, w- I just, I just wouldn't. I, w- I would never. Because I, wouldn't. I wouldn't want to. take it personally. Yeah, I take it very personally. Yeah. I'm an artist first. Business means nothing to me. Like I'm in this for the music, 100. percent I do this. I do everything I'm doing for free. You know? mm-hmm. They and they know that. So that I think those are some of the most important things. Oh,
1: so, any thoughts from your perspective, Jordan? Um, I think if you're an artist looking for a management team, if you're looking for a manager or a team, I guess I'll say both. If you're looking for a manager, you have to. Um, and I think J. Cole's manager said this. You need a manager who's gonna run through walls for you, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's just gonna be able to go that extra mile and show you that you have more potential than even you thought you did. You know, I had a call with one of my clients the other day. The only the only purpose of the call was, hey, this is getting big. Like I want you to realize where your career is headed. And I'm not saying that you need to work more or work less. I'm not saying that, but I want you to be realistic now about where your career is. Cause to them, it's like, yo, I made this shit in my bedroom or I made this shit at a friend's place. So sometimes you have to show them the potential that they don't even know they have. I think mm-hmm. that's one big thing. Yeah. I think another one is what are your manager's values? So like, does the manager value uh work life balance, even personal things? Mm-hmm. Does the manager value, you know, your live performance over your songwriting even, you know? Um, And making sure that aligns with your goals as an artist. So if an an artist comes to me and is like, this is what I want to do with my career. And I have, and this is not somebody I've already managed. This is somebody who comes to me. Mm -hmm. This is what I want to do with my career. You know, what do you think? And I'm like, hey, man, I actually think, you know, based on what you've told me, I think you should do this. And at that point, you've started the relationship with a disparity. Right. So it's like, should we even work together, even if we want to, Mm -hmm. you know? there are a couple of artists that I would manage in a heartbeat right now. I just know it won't work out. Right. You know, like, yeah, I, yeah. I love their music. I really believe in them. I'll work for them for free. Right. Like I'm at the point, but it's like our values are just different as artists and as manager um, and what he's into. I just mm-hmm. know that I, you know, it's just different than who I am. So right. I think making sure your values align um, and as a manager looking for an artist, you have to also be looking for an artist that's willing to run through walls themselves. Yeah. <laughs> like, like you can't, 100%, you can't work ways. for an artist that, you know, the hustle all comes from you. You know what I mean? You can't make the music for the artist. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So I've seen artists too, where it's like their manager was on point, mm-hmm. but the artist just didn't have the drive. And that's a really sad situation because they the artist is usually good. Right. Um, but they end up having to split ways because the manager is trying to be the artist to the point where it's not a productive relationship.
0: Yeah. You know? No, I've always uh, had a conversation with Diplo's manager and he was like, she said that literally the artist is like the CEO with the one for the vision and yeah. the, the, the manager ultimately is the is the CEO just really yeah, helping execute on the happen. vision. Yeah. And there was another interesting situation too with notable manager looking to sign another notable act that told me they don't want to n- drop names. But... Um, the the artist wanted to pay the manager a salary and the manager is a very notable manager. And he's like, no chance. I'm not taking a salary. Like I operate <laughs> off commission here. That's yeah. the way this works. And then the artist was like, okay, well you better bring me money. You better bring in a lot of money. And the manager was like, once again, like we support you. You're the one that has to show up. We will help yeah. operationally support you and, and, and make things and make things happen. But You're not going to sign with us. We're not instantly going to bring you deals. You're bringing on a team, a support structure per your vision. So um, it was interesting. They ended up not necessarily working together, but they actually the relationship they developed, given the fact that that manager was just so upfront and transparent about, I mean, same transparency that we've just been speaking to, uh, has ended up creating this very, very strong, trustful relationship. Right. Um, And I, I found both those sides to be really fascinating. Yeah. And also connections. Yeah. Connections is huge. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like I mean, straight up too. Like I love uh, when management can help, like provide bookings, get you plugged on playlists. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's obviously there's a list of things you could potentially get. I, I think one of the most important factors though is definitely like down for the causeness. Like you really want somebody that's like yeah. ready to ride or die because they'll do it. all
1: the above. Yeah, and you then know? if
0: they don't have the relationships, they'll build the relationships. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Even totally. in that book, the um, the Donald Passman book. What's the full title? Understanding the Music Business. But the Bible, it's essentially, Donald Kassman wrote this book that's like the Bible of the music business. Yeah. Um. Super long, but very much like, it's kind of, look at the table of contents. Wouldn't recommend reading it all in one sitting, but if there's a section, record label, right. deal I contracts, even, management contracts. It, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. Great book. And in it, he has a section on finding management and he, he literally equates, he's like, There's a couple different types of managers. There's the young, hungry manager that has no experience. Yeah. That's willing to, like, live and die for you. And then there's the other, like, bigger manager. And it's like, who do you pick? You pick who's, like, down for the cause more. It's like, they you can't say that just because they don't have experience. I mean, even look at, we're speaking about Visionary Music Group. Logic, Chris Zeroux, Harrison Remler, that whole team, I mean, has brought Logic to the point where he's selling out stadiums. I mean, Chris and Harrison, when they started working with him, young, hungry people in college, fresh out of college, like...
1: I also want to say, though, Harrison, when he was on this podcast, Mm -hmm. he said one of the first things Logic said to him when he was on tour was, I came here to perform and do it professionally. If you don't want to do it, you can get off the tour. Yeah. That was one of the first things he said to him because Logic was willing to run through a wall himself for
2: himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And
1: then then Harrison was like, oh, shit, he's the real deal. And then they followed suit,
2: you know? for sure it definitely goes both ways you so, know yeah. yeah
1: and i think
0: that the story lends itself perfectly to the next hot take which is that uh Air quote tour life is a myth. Like I think the the fact of like oh crazy show going out to the bar, it's so lit. Oh my god, um, it's so it's lit. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. I, I can't somebody handle somebody. it. Help. I can't. Help me. it's too terrible. right <laughs>
1: now.
0: This ain't sustainable.
2: Uh, that's a myth. <laughs> um, I mean, I, there's definitely those nights. There's definitely the crazy nights, like. There's there's some wild nights, but I mean I'm working like around the clock because I got my I got my management company. So during during it's like I got to think about like strategically like if I'm gonna go out a night after a show. But to be honest, like I play so hard like on on tour and for shows, I'm knocked out. Like if if I'm not going out like ten minutes after I play, riding that adrenaline, like I'm gonna be I'm be sleeping. If you make it to your hotel room,
1: that's it. Yeah (laughs) yeah
2: yeah. Um so. I think it's uh I think some tours can be very rock and roll esque in that way, and like I think a lot of people can get sucked into it and it can become a very dark place actually because it is like kind of like an alternative reality in a way where mm-hmm. you're kind of living on the out- outskirts of society and you go to these cities and you're not a part of what's going on in that city you're kind of like looking in mm-hmm. and you don't feel like the same rules apply to you sometimes and like i've definitely had there was there was definitely like a week on tour where i partied like a lot harder (laughs) and then I, i like snapped out of it just because of just my like basis of like discipline that i've built up over the years and got back to it but i can it can definitely become a crazy world if you want it to be or like on our tour like everyone is hustling around the clock Mm-hmm. Like, I think I really enjoy being on a tour um, of, of Chelsea and, and the team because everyone just works really hard all the time to be the best that they can be. Yeah, And we do have really, really fun nights. <laughs> though, so. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: So I want to go full circle. And I know uh one other thing outside of music that you and I personally kind of connect over is our interest in, in personal development, mm-hmm. biohacking, optimal human performance, <laughs> all that good stuff. Music succeeding and music succeeding in any career endeavor. I mean, it, like, you will only develop professionally as much as you develop personally so kind of self-improvement personal development ultimately say say
1: it again yo say that line again that was hard (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: you only develop as much professionally as you will personally so i mean the the thing to focus on ultimately is how you can develop yourself develop self-awareness grow the skills understand where you want to grow and and make consistent progress there what do you feel like from a personal development standpoint have been some of the biggest uh takeaways areas of focus that you have felt have the biggest impact in your life and this goes just when it
2: comes to your fulfillment growth success happiness totally um
1: you probably need some 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 growth hacking in order to balance those careers too
2: <laughs> yeah it's 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 definitely taken years of of working on myself like i've definitely gone through some like really confusing times where i've just asked myself questions that like i wasn't able to answer for like for months. And I think a lot of what helped me is, is finding, finding mentors, whether it's through, whether it's through podcasts, through books, through meeting people and like pulling things from everywhere and adding them into your, your own life and your own, like value, your own religion, pretty much, you know, it's like building, it's like, what is, what is my own personal religion that I buy by? And like, I I honestly didn't have many like, like mentors in person, growing up, or even now, really. I've I've a couple now, but I think a lot of what I've I've learned over the years and has been through listening to podcasts like this, or reading reading a lot of books. And I got really. I think one of the most amazing things is is like me- meditation. I th- obviously, I mean, it's. I feel like it's become like kind of like a cliche now. It works though. But so, yeah, I mean, whatever. Also, you know? uh, clichés have become a really big part of my life because they're clichés for a reason <laughs> and like I instead of like ignoring them being like being like surround yourself with good people, you know, like work practice makes perfect. Like all these things people just kind of ignore, but I've taken them to heart mm-hmm. and I found I found that they're, they're real things. They are they are real things. Like I've surrounded myself with some of the best people the world and because of that like I've seen success I have people to to lean on when I'm in a bad place and like practice makes perfect it's like every day like I'm I'm working on myself whether it's physical like like working out whether it's practicing my drums whether it's it's trying to get better at my time management you know it's like I'm constantly it's like I've created life as a as a practice you know it's like not only is and I focus on expressing myself in art? I'm expressing my, my whole my whole life is art. You know, I'm, I want to make a masterpiece, and like each day is a new chance to improve upon everything that I've that I've been working on. And practice makes perfect is is like my my motto. I don't know, mm-hmm. like it shows. Like, and I think the the clearest example of that is like like working out. You know, it's like you don't get jacked in a day. You know, you don't get in good shape in a day. Like. It takes it takes months, years to be in like a, a healthy, balanced like mind and body. I don't yeah. know. It takes takes so long, and that applies to everything. Everything takes longer than you think it will.
1: Yeah, um, especially in the artist management game. Yeah, you know, and everything in life, man.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, amen, brother. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Gavin. It's been a, a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show, but also just to see your ascent, man. I know you've accomplished a lot given your young age, but I think you, we're still at the tip of the iceberg, bro. So can't wait to see what's next.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm, yeah, I'm really excited. to be out, here. Yeah, thanks for coming out, man. Super yeah. fun. Thank you.
0: So Gavin, incredible <laughs> guest. Super authentic person too, man. I think just the awareness he has the self-awareness he spoke about the notion of being here now I think he's a, a very mindful person and applies this notion of personal development mindfulness into the foundation of his his success and, and rising success as a professional in the music industry both on the artist side and the business side so I really enjoyed seeing how that that mindfulness and that leaning into personal development has really lended itself to a lot of momentum in his career would you would you like
1: Well, one thing he has to do with his multiple careers is that he has to compartmentalize. So I think in order to do that and be successful at it, like he's done, you do have to be very aware of your career and how that affects your artists' careers. You just kind of have to keep your hand on the pulse of so many different things. So I think his composure was really impressive during the podcast, just because if it was me, I'm not going to lie, I'd be stressed out all the time. It'd be like, I'm on tour, I'm at Lollapalooza, I'm at Red Rocks, but I also have to keep my hand on the pulse of these artists that I work for, and it seems like he's been able to do it and still accomplish that work-life balance so compartmentalize in a way where he's not constantly stressed out. Yeah. So um, I know that was really beneficial for me because I don't have multiple careers and I do have a problem with work-life balance. So him just seeing seeing him just go at it in such an organic way and keep his poise and composure when talking about it, I thought was really impressive.
0: For sure. Well, thank you so much, Gavin. And then of course, thank you guys for listening, tuning in. Really appreciate the support. Uh, so grateful for this community. Hit us up on Instagram at Music Business Podcast. Let us know if there's any guests, what you're liking, what you want us to do more of, what you don't like. Uh, <laughs> we really appreciate all your opinions and love the fact that we're able to grow together. So, uh, thanks again. See you next week or Thank you you'll guys. hear our voices again next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be back.